up, beautiful humans? My name is Morgan, and I'm your podcast host. I'm a talk therapist by training and a practicing spiritual entrepreneur. I specialize in Reiki, tarot, and past life regression. In this podcast, I integrate both clinical and spiritual perspectives to best support you on your healing journey. Welcome to The Clinical Spiritualist. I really want to share my story about what it was like for me to quit the therapy world and transition into my business now. So let's just kind of start with how I became a mental health therapist. So I got my bachelor's degree in psychology and I knew I needed to go to grad school. That's kind of the conversation I kept hearing from my professors and other students of a psychology degree is nothing which, first of all, is wild because that was four years of my life. Um, but you know the meme that's like, <laughs> why does my bachelor's degree feel like a high school diploma? And there's no shade for people that don't have college degrees and, and shit like that. That's all just, you know, stupid that we feel that way. Um, but that's how I felt was that like all this money and time for nothing. But anyway, I knew I needed to go to grad school. Really, I, I like I've never had a career like where I grew up of, oh, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. I've never been like that. And I'm also from a small town, so I just don't think I was exposed to all the options that I had. It was like nurse, lawyer, doctor, fire person, police person, the end. Um So I was like, okay, maybe I'll do school counseling. And I also thought maybe I'll do clinical mental health counseling. I didn't realize that was therapy at the time. I was just young and was looking for the next thing. I was a year away from graduation and I was like, screw it. So I looked into grad school. Money wasn't a concept. Like money, I don't, money wasn't a concept. Anyway, I didn't really understand like, the um, drastic choice of taking out tons of money, I just, that was, that was what you did. And so I applied to grad school. I applied to three different schools. I did my undergrad at University of Cincinnati. So I applied to University of Cincinnati, Xavier University, which is also in Cincinnati, and then um, Lipscomb University in Nashville. I was dating someone who lived in Nashville, so I thought, oh, that'd be kind of cool, move there with them. And also go to grad school, like two birds in one stone. So long story short, I got accepted to Lipscomb. I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and I pursued my master of science degree in clinical mental health counseling. And as soon as I started grad school, that's exactly when I felt like, oh my God, this is where I'm supposed to be. I didn't click instantly (laughs) with people in my cohort, but Eventually, I did. I was just so exhausted because I was working a full-time job. And then I'd go to grad school at night from like my like 5.30 to 8 or something like that. A few hours. And then I'd go home, I'd wake up, and I'd do it all again. Despite the chaos that was happening in my personal life at the time, I loved grad school. I um, did the play therapy track. So... Um, I learned all about play therapy and we did a lot of retreats where we learned how to use this skill. And it was the first time in my life where I felt like really, really good at something. 
Um, yeah, I felt, like, really in my power. I, I got A's when I was in high school. I never, like, I struggled hard with math and science. Like, I just did not understand math. I was always the one that was, like, <laughs> having to go in early or cheat or something because I just did not get it. But anyway, so being in the counseling world, I was like, holy shit, I'm really good at this. And it was the first time where I was, like, offered praise for something academic where I didn't just, like, survive or pass like I was thriving. And I really felt like I was in my power and it was my skill. So kind of the conversation through grad school was, you know, you get your master's and that's a huge thing and that's a huge deal and that's the big finish line. And then you get licensed or it's like, can you get licensed? And then, and then everything even keeps getting even better. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, I didn't sign up to get a PhD because I knew I couldn't commit another four to five years post undergrad. I just knew I didn't have enough engine in my tank. The hardest time of my life was undergrad through grad school. Like the times that I spent in college were the most um, emotionally draining. Um, I had a lot of stuff, a lot of trauma stuff happening while I was in school. And so I just knew I could commit to another two years and be done. And so that's what I did. I did six semesters full time. I like, I don't know how I did it. I had a full time job the first year and then I quit the full time job and did like odd and end jobs like babysitting dogs and kids and, and all this other random stuff um, so that I could do my internships the last year. So it was two years. I, from, so there's a practicum your second year, there's an internship one, and then there's an internship two, and each section lasts a semester. So practicum is like, I did 10 hours a week at a counseling center, um, and, and it's unpaid, obviously, which, uh, let me just say this now, abolish the unpaid internship. Free labor, it's a no for me, dog. I don't care if you're gaining experience, that shit is such a um, reuse recycled thing people say so that they can keep people underpaid or unpaid. Everyone deserves paid to be paid if they're working. Everyone deserves to be paid. Like, screw work. <laughs> anyway. Um, and so I did the practicum at a counseling center and then internship one is when it started picking up and I didn't have as much time on my hands. I was doing two different sites. So I did a comprehensive health center. So I was working on the behavioral health team, which meant like I was with a bunch of doctors and nurses and it was integrated care. So if someone came in for like a foot pain, I would also go in and um, do like um, a social, psychosocial uh, a questionnaire to make sure people are safe, people's mental health is in check. Like if someone came in and they were in an abusive relationship, we wouldn't go and talk to them, et cetera, et cetera. So I did that and I chose this site. Like I'd, I've always dreamed, I had always dreamed um, to be in private practice. Like I really love like the calm, the one-on-one, -on -one, the deep work where you're like working for, you know, weeks on end, once a week, and you get to like develop this rapport and this relationship, yada, yada. But um, those types of internships were unpaid. And so I chose the behavioral health route because my college 
um, gave us a grant. And I, it was like $5,000 a semester, which is better than nothing, but it's still not a lot. Like it's still like low key poverty, but you're like working 30 plus hours a week, giving free counseling, essentially. No, not essentially. You're giving free counseling. And so I was like, you know what? I can do this for a year. I can scrape by. I can do pretty much unpaid work, emotional work, like people struggling with addiction, like high trauma. It's, it was a lot, especially as a new clinician. And so I was like, you know, I can ride this out. And so I did, and I made it to the finish line, barely breathing. There were so many missteps or like struggles with like, I'm not even talking about my personal life. I'm not even going to get into that because I'll be here for 50, 100 years. Um, but just like academically, I worked for a supervisor who was emotionally abusive, who was like psychologically abusive to the interns. It was whack. Um, thank God, like I really didn't get super involved in that situation. I like had my guards up. I could sniff a freaking narcissist from a mile. So, you know, I didn't have to really deal with it but it was such a stressful stressful time but again the narrative was okay like you're almost to the finish line yada yada and so I make it to the damn finish line barely breathing like I finished my clinical hours I needed in grad school like the last day and I was like okay well now it's time to look for a job (laughs) And so at the time, I'm living in Nashville, Tennessee, and that was the goal. I'm like, okay, I have my master's. I have all A's. I made a 4.0 in every semester. Yes, that is a brag. Well, like, I'll just get a job, and I'll be making, like, you know, at least 50K because someone with a master's degree obviously would get paid at least 50K. So I start looking at jobs in Tennessee. Like, yeah, that's where I was living. That's where I imagined I was going to stay. I was like, okay, I'm going to start looking for jobs here. I also thought, like, I also played with the fact of moving to Chicago. And so I, like, started applying for Chicago licensure. So here's the thing. So becoming a therapist, you, like, the licensing process is different in every single state. So I was getting this anxiety post-grad school of, like, well, I don't even know where the hell I want to be. I have some ideas. I, like, toyed with Indiana, which is where I'm at now. Um, But mostly I was thinking Chicago or stay in Nashville. So I started filling out like Chicago licensure and then I was also applying for jobs um, in Ohio and all over the place. Um, And then I committed to working part time at the the counseling center on a college campus where I went to grad school. That's where I did my internships and my practicum, etc. And it was unpaid. (laughs) But I did it because for life to get your license after you get your master's to be a licensed mental health counselor, a clinical mental health counselor, or, um, there's a bunch of different names for it, but, um, you have to accrue more hours and kind of this like unsaid thing that I didn't realize while I was in grad school was that, yeah, you get your master's, but that's not good enough. You will still have to continue to work for shit money. Um, until you're licensed, then you're good then you're good. Then, then you make the money, then you're, you're a big timer, but it's like not even like a lot of money still, you know? And 
I started looking for jobs in Nashville, and I'm like, holy shit, like, everything, every job I was finding was clinical, like, not clinical, was um, community health, um, which is high caseload, low pay. So they want you to have 50 plus clients that you're seeing, all with high trauma, all who have a lot of needs and barriers. And I'm not shaming that work at all. Like, we need that work, but the system is not set to, to support it. And support like those people and the people in the mental health field so people burn out like so quickly and that's really where my what happened to me so I you hear my cat she always picks up when I'm trying to do this like literally get a life but um so I finally found a job in Indianapolis which is where I moved to and it was a private practice contracted with um, in elementary and middle school. And so it's a contract therapist position. So I thought, okay, that sounds great. I can make my own hours. Like I don't have to ask for time off, yada, yada. But obviously the downfalls are, was, are, wouldn't have insurance. I, um, like didn't have paid time off, didn't have paid vacation. There was a lot of, lot of downfalls. Like I was a contract worker, which I was, like, my own employer, but I'm also not licensed, so I'm, like, still kind of working under someone else's license. It's just really messy, but, you know, I'm in this vulnerable position, which which is what people look for. Like, let's cut the bullshit. Like, most employers are looking for post-licensed clinicians because you get to pay them shit because the unsaid conversation is like keep hustling until you get licensed I mean I've already spent six years of my life going to college to get this degree and be here now you want me to add another two years to work for shit and like let me let me identify what shit is I up until now so this job ended like a month ago and I'll explain that in a little bit my job I got in Indianapolis and I moved here they paid me starting out $25 per clinical hour. So let me just remind you what, if you've never been to therapy, <laughs> Twilight, go. What goes into a clinical hour? So you are prepping to see the client. You're doing the paperwork. You're doing assessments. You're researching. You're learning about the client before you see them. Um, and then you're spending at least 40, 45 minutes, if not more, in deep emotional work, like using your clinical skill. That's the thing is that people don't realize therapists don't just sit there and listen. Therapists use clinical skill. They use the DSM-5 now, which has every diagnosis and certain criteria you have to meet to get these diagnoses. And then not only like diagnosing someone with a mental health disorder, but then learning how to work with that because every mental health disorder is not the same, et cetera, et cetera. So 25 fucking dollars. That is what you get paid when you, like I got paid that basically when I babysat or like dog sat, which I'm not undermining that work literally at all, but it's different and it's a different level of skill. And 
that like you I just took out sixty thousand dollars in grad school and was told like oh you get your master's and all these golden doors open and you walk down this hall and all the choices are yours and you'll be working on a downtown practice and you know you'll be living this good therapy life that you see on all like the cool Instagram therapists no becoming a therapist is a privilege and that is what I'm figuring out is like really pursuing anything traditional is a privilege because of all the money and debt you have to go into to get these jobs. And then when you get that position, when you get the acceptance letter to your like grad school, when you get the, when you get the job, like you're, you like have to take out all this money, like the books and the, the classes and yada, yada, yada. So Anyway, I'm getting like off course here. I'm getting heated. <laughs> so I get this job. I moved to Indiana and I had learned Tennessee's licensure process because that's where I went to grad school. And so they're like in Tennessee, it's I kind of forget because it's been so long. But it's oh, it's an LPC MHSP. So in Tennessee, once you become licensed, you first get your licensed professional counselor, mental health service provider, temp license. So you get a temp license and you can get that as soon as you graduate. So in Tennessee, as soon as you get your master's degree, you go and get this temp license um, after you take your national counselor exam. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. But basically you do it right at the bat. And then you work for two years full time. So as soon as you're done with um, grad school, you start working at wherever you can find find a freaking job and you start accruing your hours so that you can become a fully licensed therapist. So becoming a fully licensed therapist means you get paid more. There's more opportunities. You have more independence. You're like working under your own license. You're not working under anyone. So you can start your own private practice that way, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the rules that I learned. I moved to Indiana, and here it is not LPC, MHSP. It is LMHC. So that's the goal is to become a licensed mental health counselor. But here, the first license you would get, kind of like the temp license in Tennessee, but it's called a licensed mental health counselor associate. And so I move here. Indianapolis so I moved states again and you know new apartment new city like even though I grew up in Indiana I really don't know Indianapolis so new city new space new job new clients like learning a new clients like caseload is really difficult um and so I get here I'm like okay I'm gonna get my feet grounded I'm gonna learn my clients I'm gonna like figure out this new job you know, learn the new system, the EHR, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'll focus on licensure because at this point, like I got this job because I have my master's, not because I have any sort of license, which is why they can justify paying you shit money. Um, and so I'm working for, I don't know, let's see what, what I started September, October. I worked for about five months four or five months. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to look into licensure. I still, I want to take the national counselor exam. I'm going to work toward getting my first license. Um, because I thought in Indiana also, and I had read the rules. I read the licensing rules. I thought that you, as soon as you start working in the state, you start accruing hours towards your full license. 
no. No. That's not what happened. I applied for my first license, a licensed mental health counselor associate. Um, in February, I didn't get approved. So I applied for this license in order to get approval to take an exam. I just got the acceptance to take this exam less than a month ago. It took five months. Now let's talk about what happened in the five months between me starting this job, me having high hopes until a month ago. So I start this job. I am like really ambitious. I'm loving the work. I never stopped loving the work. I never stopped loving the clients because I was working with children and adolescents and loved that population, was so passionate about my work. But right now, I'm like, I'm really focusing on like the logistics, the kind of like anger, the kind of underneath it all behind the scenes stuff, because that's really what feels important to me to talk about. I could go on and on about how much I loved being a therapist and how much I loved working with kids and all the people I met and Yada, yada, yada. But that's not the goal of this, this conversation. We're talking about grief, we're talking about pivoting, and we're talking about listening to yourself. So I start this work, you know, especially at a grad school, like, I got a job, let's go. And <laughs> weeks and months go by, and things just get, like, worse. Like, I... And being asked to do things that are out of my scope of practice. I'm like low-key being asked to go deliver food for free. I am just like always accessible to my clients. And I don't like that. But that's also why people like new clinicians as workers. Because you get to take advantage of them. And things get to little be a little fuzzy. Um, because they're like I'm in a vulnerable position. I'm like need my hours, you know, to become fully licensed, which has, I've been told time and time again, that's the freedom. That's the next freedom. It's like always waiting for the next thing. And days and months go by at this job. And I'm like, I'm tired of waiting for this new thing. And the resentment starts to build and build and build and build. And not even just like resentment and anger. It's, I'm experiencing really deep depression um, because I'm taking on clients trauma, which is okay. But also there were no other therapists. Well, there were like one other therapist, but not with, not all the times. We had a lot of, um, what do you call it when people like quit? I forget what the word is, but like a lot of people were like quitting and restarting and stuff. And so it was like, you know, high trauma kiddos, very low income, a lot of barriers, a lot of needs. And I'm getting paid 400 five hundred dollars a week I signed a lease which I'm still at a 13 month lease studio apartment for it's eleven hundred dollars rent alone so let's just do the math I'm working for two weeks full-time and barely making my rent not even counting groceries gas other bills I won't even get into that you you can do the freaking math but yeah and so I'm just like riding this hamster wheel and this thought process and this conditioning I have of like, okay, clearly I'm not doing enough. Clearly my bachelor's wasn't enough. My master's wasn't enough. And I'm not doing enough at this job. Like I'm not doing enough. I'm not enough. And that's just so far from the truth. But 
like system problems always get placed on the individual. And so I'm just like, you know what? I've almost made it a year. I've almost made it a year. That means one more year. And that means I'm freaking done and I get to work for myself and I'll be a licensed clinician, blah, blah, blah. So let me tell you where this story gets real good. So I was reading the licensing rules one day while I was at this job and I read, no, 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 this is what happened. I'm at this job and I start looking for other therapy jobs. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And so I start casually like low-key applying on Indeed, not really telling people. Um, and just like, maybe it's just this job, you know? And I find this job that I really, really want. And it's a, another child and adolescent place, but it has more resources and it's a, like a different population. Um, like the trauma cases are a little bit spread out. I know this because I talked to the employer, but I'm like, okay, cool. This sounds like more mentally stable for me. Um, but I was like, all I have is my master's, which I hate how I even said that, but that's just kind of how it goes. Of like, I just have my master's. I don't have my, any license yet. Is that okay? And they're like, let me check back. And then I get a voicemail from an employer and it's like, hey, Morgan, um, actually you do have to have your licensed mental health counselor associate license before you start. So unfortunately, um, you can't work here. Um, but as soon as you get that license, then like give us a call. Which, mind you, this was five, four or five months ago. I just got approved to take the test. I don't even have my first license yet, y'all. Like, and so I, oh, and then she said something on a voicemail. She was like, also, I don't think your hours start counting until you get your first license. And it's like, so you can be a therapist with a social worker degree, or you can be a therapist with a clinical mental health counseling degree. Um, she had a social worker degree and I was like, oh, she took the social work path. She has a different licensing board. She doesn't know what she's talking about because I read the rules and no one said anything to me. And my supervisor who's supposed to be helping me on this path, she never said anything about that. So as far as I know, like my supervision hours have counted my, um, every counseling session I've done has counted toward hours that I need to become fully licensed. So I'm like, uh, I blow the the, the um, voicemail off, but then I start looking at the rules again and it's like pages and pages of rules, but I see one little small sentence that I missed that said, um, your hours can't count until you get your LMHCA license. And I lost it. I lost it. I freaking lost it. I went down to my supervision meeting with my supervisor and I just bawled my eyes out. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. And that was, that was before I quit. So like, or actually kind of lost my job, but I'll get to that in a second. I just was like, do you ever feel like this where you just feel like you can't go on where this job is so draining? And my supervisor literally was like, and she's a seasoned clinician, been in the field for a little bit. And she was like, honestly, yeah, I just had a breakdown last week where I thought, is this practice even worth it? <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. That, there's your sign. And that's really the turning moment where I was like, what is going on? Like, I've done everything quote unquote right. I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. I've made the good grades. I've excelled with my clients. I'm a damn good therapist. Like, 
I won't even sugarcoat that. I am a really good therapist. And I loved the work. And that's why this was so frustrating was because I'm like, damn, I love these kids. I loved my internships besides the abusive um, supervisor. I loved the, the population. And that's why it was so infuriating was like every roadblock that could come up came up. And it was to the point where I felt like I was in a freaking movie of like, I don't think this is meant for me, which was so shocking because it felt like I was born to do this. And I would do tarot readings. This is where my witchy shit comes in. I would do tarot readings on my job and I would get the devil, the tower, um, three of swords, like any sort of card that represents like heartbreak, destruction, get the out of there. I got that. I got those cards like months and months leading up. And my intuition, here's where intuition comes in. My intuition was screaming at me. My intuition was screaming at me to get the hell out of there. And, but I didn't know why, you know, and my conditioning was like, no, you can keep going. No, you can keep doing it. And my tolerance level for pain is so high. And my ability to adapt based on past trauma is so high that I'm like, no, 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 I'm adaptable. I'm a hard worker. I can do this shit. Um, and so my ego like kept getting in the way of me taking in stuff and like, but my spiritual stuff was coming up and my intuition was, was showing me that there were signs of something was about to happen. Um, but it hadn't gotten to like mass destruction yet. So I'm like, no, I can keep writing this, but like I kept ignoring myself and it kept getting louder and louder. So actually this just reminded me of a memory. When I was having that conversation with my supervisor, I was like, I am bawling my eyes out the whole almost year that I had done clinical work for cheap, where I could be like literally babysitting, dog walking, grocery shopping, like doing any other job that is like not so traumatic. Um, I don't even know what I just said. I kind of blocked, <laughs> kind of blacked out. Oh yeah, but I was in this conversation with my supervisor and, um, she saw how distraught I was. Like we literally had to do an, <laughs> do an assessment where it was all about like secondary trauma in your workplace. And I scored like pretty high scores. And it's like, not that I can't handle working with high trauma kiddos. It's not saying people with trauma are bad. Like I have trauma. I think we all have trauma. Um, it's especially hard when your basic needs as a human aren't met and then you're expected to work in a high stress, high trauma situation, you know, where kids are having to go to the hospital because they're suicidal, <laughs> like, um, very intense stuff, but like, that's hard to cope and manage as a professional when I'm getting paid like minimum wage and I have bills to pay and like, I'm having to like check my bank account to go buy groceries and, um, you know, no one, no one can thrive if, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, let's go to the bottom triangle, food, water, shelter. If that is threatened and like, I feel like every day I was waking up and walking into a war zone because my nervous system was so fried because my basic needs weren't being met. Like I wasn't comfortable at home. I was coming home and then I was stressing about, well, how am I going to make rent? And like, yeah, I'm like my nervous system now is like <laughs> acting up talking about this. But anyway, back to this conversation with my supervisor, 
um, she recommended that I go on antidepressant medication because this job was affecting me so bad. It was like I hate even pinning it on the job or the clients. Like that's not it at all. It really is the lack of support and then like from the licensing board, the lack of support from my employer, the lack of support just as like a system of mental health not being supported. Um, and I'm not anti-medication at all. We, some people need to be on medication. And there have been moments in my life where I wish I would have been on medication, but those moments weren't now. Like I was in a really, I am in a really healthy romantic relationship. I have really healthy friendships, um, healthy family relationships. And so, you know, the only, the only thing that was causing this much distress was the lack of money and support I was receiving. And then come to find out none of these hours are going to even count toward my full license. And so I'm just like done cashed out. And this is days and weeks after just like coming home and be feeling so dissociated and numbing out by watching like YouTube and eating because I just can't deal with this life because my, my job was literally traumatizing. And, um, I know it's like, oh, the word trauma gets thrown around, but really it was. When you feel like trauma is never all about like what's happening, it's how you perceive it. And I constantly felt like I was in a sense of danger. Like I was going out to kids' houses whose, you know, people in their family had been murdered (laughs) and like going to like do a home visit and getting paid nothing. Like, you know. You can survive stuff if you have, like, the means to, like, go do a float tank or go get body work done or do self-care things to release the stress and trauma that gets stored up during the week of a job like this. But I didn't have that. I was coming home and was like, well, got to stay in because got to afford my rent. Um, so anyway, not anti-medication, but I did not need medication at that time. I There were so many like other things that needed to go before I even considered going on medication. Like I was doing yoga. I was doing the breath work. I was doing therapy every week, every, every week, my therapy session would rely on this job. And what I'm even sharing is really just like the tip of the iceberg. There's so much underneath of of what happened and how I felt like I wasn't always in an ethical position and not, not my doing. Um, but like my supervisor wanted me to run out and deliver paperwork to kids' houses, like things that should not be happening in a private practice happened. And I felt like, okay, well, I want to make as a therapist, so I'll do whatever. And like, I'm in that vulnerable position. Um, so <laughs> let's get to the kicker here and let's get to, let's get to the good stuff. <sighs> I'd read that one out. Okay, so I'm in her office. She, like, recommends I get on antidepressants, and I'm like, what the fuck? Um, find out my hours don't count, and that's just, that was the end. That was when things, like, crumbled, and that's when my intuition could not, could not shut up. I would wake up every day, and my girlfriend, and I'd look at her and be like, I'm quitting. Today's the day I quit. I would do like a quick tarot reading and then be like, tower, devil, leave, get out of there. Like something else is on the other side. Something's going to happen. 
And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then I walk in and be like, no, 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 my logic, my, my logic brain will kick in. You can't quit. That's your sense of security, blah, 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 blah. Let's talk about sense of security for a second. So I finally put in my four weeks. I did, I did a whole month so that I could give my kids time to readjust to the fact that I wouldn't be there and to give myself the time because I'd grown attached to them and I love them. And it sucks that I'm in a position where I can't talk to them ever, you know? you're in a position of power once you're done being a therapist. That's it. That's it. Which I understand, obviously. But I... Okay, so I put in my four weeks, and the goal is to just start this business, do odd and end stuff to make my rent, and, like, I'm doing it full force. I'm done being a therapist. Like, in my heart of hearts, I'm done. Because at that point, I had... During this whole shit show, I picked up tarot. I loved it. I started reading for people for really cheap. And it, it like, it inspired me. And it was so flexible. And I could just communicate with people. And I don't know. It was just, it opened up a different world for me. And then I became Reiki trained. And, yeah. So, like, that was the goal. I'm like, I'm going to read tarot. And I'm going to be a coach. And I'm going to be... Um, like use my clinical skill, but also use these little spiritual gifts I picked up along the way. And that's going to be my business and I'm going to do it. And I'm actually going to do it. And so I started posting and like changing my personal Instagram to my professional Instagram. And it was really hard for me because I started, I was really grieving and I still am of what didn't work out that I wanted so badly. Like the vision, I've made this real one time where it's like, universe like I want to be a therapist downtown Nashville and it's like oh you want to be a tarot reader in Indiana because it's just like full 180 but I'm leaning into the fact that it's for a reason that you know I'm I could get licensed and then it's then I have to get paneled with every insurance and then I have to you know become an LLC in a private practice and just do all of these things that cause me stress and really take me away from my, my gifts of connecting with people, helping with people, working with people's trauma. Like it takes me away from myself. It takes me away from my gifts and why I even got here in the first place, which is to help other people. And so backing up, Morgan keeps getting sidetracked. I, put in my four weeks and I'm like, shit, we're doing it. And I didn't have a lot of clients over the summer anyway, because the kids are out of school. No one's answering my damn phone calls (laughs) like to have a session. So I was just like, we're doing it. And two weeks before I'm supposed to quit two weeks, I get a random call from my supervisor and she says, here is the kicker, everybody. I hope you're prepared. Okay. So she says, hey, I actually was just going to call you. Um, so our neuropsychologist, I won't name the person, which, so I work with kids who we bill Medicaid. I worked with kids and we bill Medicaid. And every note needs to be approved by a psychologist. So we were working with a neuropsychologist. This neuropsychologist randomly had to take a leave of absence, she tells me. So that means that none of our notes can be approved, which means no one can get paid. She said, today's the last day you can see clients. We're going to have to halt clients for at least an, over a month, if not more. 
because they had to hire another psychologist, get them paneled, all this shit. And so even if I was not going to quit two weeks later, I would have lost my damn job. And I did lose my job two weeks early. I would have lost my job. I would have been jobless. Um, and that is what, like, I knew something big was going to happen. I didn't know what it was, but my intuition, my cards, my spirit guides were like, yo, 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 shit's about to hit the fan, making out. And so I was like, I like laughed when I got off the phone. Like, obviously you feel bad for them. That sucks. It especially sucks for our clients. I literally was going to have a termination session with them like a week and a half later and just had to call all of them that day and be like, I'm so sorry, but we have to end today. We can't talk anymore. And I like deactivated my phone number and I was done being a therapist. So unprofessional, so risky, but it's like not my problem. Like, sh- like literally shook, clapped my hands, shook them clean. I was done. Um, I kind of like laughed when I hung up the phone because I'm just like, this was it. This is what my intuition was saying. And I like made a plan months ago by like, you know, promoting my tarot readings, promoting my Reiki. And then as soon as I said like four weeks in, then things started pouring into me. Like, you know, I took Reiki one and two certification. Right now I'm in my past life regression training to be a PLR therapist. I... Like, I'm now on a a website promoting my business. Like, I have been reading at markets. Like, it's not all glamorous. Like, that that's let me get you wrong. I'm still struggling. Um, but struggling in a different way. Like, I wake up every day and I'm excited. And all of this story to say, like, oh my god, I'm so happy I got to put this out here finally. Listen to your intuition. Even if your logic brain can't know what your intuition is saying, if it's like, you know, you need to leave, you need to leave, whatever situation, relationship you're in, listen to that. Don't just disregard yourself because you don't have the logic information yet. Because intuition is all about we know on a body, soul level before we logically know anything. So through my soul, I knew something was about to happen. And then the logic came through weeks later after I already put my four weeks in because I trusted myself finally and was like, no, this is a logic. This is why you were being told to leave because if you wouldn't have made a backup plan, if you wouldn't have had this next journey, you would be jobless, hopeless, and full of despair. So all of that to say is right now I... I'm still struggling financially, but not any more than I was when I was a therapist. And I just got the approval to get my LMHCA license, and I'm going to take the test, and I'm going to get that license. But as far as pursuing full licensure as a therapist, I'm burnt out. I'm done. I'm not doing it. Um, I'm starting my business, and I'm still going to be a therapist. It's just going to look differently, and I'm not going to be licensed. But I was just so wrapped up in that world and listening to people's stigma of like what it means to pursue, pursue another path besides licensed therapists. And I was getting so doubtful, but it's like, I've opened up this new world of all these spiritual entrepreneurs and people who have done the internal work and who help others. And that's really what it boils down to is like, Like, I put this on my Instagram story today. Anyone can become a licensed therapist if you have the time and money. And I don't. I'm exhausted. (laughs) 
I, one, don't have the money for it. I, two, am exhausted and my emotional tank is on E. And if I'm not doing something that lights me up, then I don't want it. And I'm tired of running a hamster wheel waiting for the next thing when I want the happiness and the goodness and the and the beautifulness now. Not anymore. Like, not, I mean, I don't want to wait anymore. And I've come to find out that my soul level journey, like, I don't want to be in the suburbs working in Indiana pursuing full licensure. Like, that just bleh, makes me feel weird. And that's not saying that is dumb. It's saying, for me, that feels wrong. And so I'm, I'm starting this business. I'm in my business. I'm a past life regression therapist almost. I'm a Reiki practitioner. I'm a tarot reader. I'm a one-on-one intuitive coach. Yes. And you know what? Next year, I want to travel the world. So, Period. All that to say, thank you for letting me get that out. Like, oh my God, that felt so good. I'm going to continue grieving. I'm going to continue pivoting. I'm going to continue stepping into my power. And this is your friendly reminder to listen to your damn intuition, not your not your roommate, not your friend, not your partner or partners, not your parents. Listen to yourself. Get quiet meditate and what is it that you truly want on a soul level so i hope my disaster of a story and my disaster of experience helps you with whatever you're going through all right i will see you in the next episode and maybe i'll be like a little bit less hostile but probably not you know have a good one take care Thank you so much for tuning in to The Clinical Spiritualist. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and TikTok at clinical underscore spiritualist. I'm currently accepting new clients and would love to help guide you on your journey back to self. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care.